and the road you're on is the problem. You're not going to change anything in your life until you change the road you're on. It is the road. It is, it is the habits, the rituals, the things you do every day. And so throughout the series, we kind of went through maybe four different elements in this, um, in this month. One has to do with family, how families get on the wrong road. We talked about that. Then we talked about the second week, is your love life on the right road and how easy it is for your love life to get you in trouble. And then last week was fathering on the right road. And that was Father's Day. So let me, if I can, today, I'm going to conclude with a little bit of a different twist um, because I promised you I'd talk about business. And, and so I decided to expand that to three tips, uh, three what I call right road tips. But what I want to do is go back a little bit, and I want to show you a clip from last week, because in the 11 o'clock service, not in this service, I had Christina uh, come up, my daughter, and on the spur of the moment, it was not planned, I had her come up, and her, I asked her, I said, would you tell me what it's like to be my daughter? Would you? And I, learned, I let the congregation ask her questions, which I love to do. I love Q&A. So I want you to see, Christina's going to come up. The first question is basically was, who was the disciplinarian in the family? Who disciplined you? And she said me. But anyway, so you pick up on that question. And then there are a couple of other questions that she asked, one specifically about dating. How did I respond to her dating? And so I thought it would be fun to confess something. Now, in this tape, you're going to hear me not say what I did. But what I'm going to do is show you what I did. Uh, so I'm confessing today. Watch the video. You'll see what I mean in a minute. Watch this. Questions you want to ask Christina? Yes. Were you allowed to date? And if so, how did he treat your dates? How you get up on that question? That ain't got nothing to do with anything we talked about. They get me in now. Okay. <laughs> no, I was allowed to date, but had to date at a certain age and so I think when I turned 16 I was able to go out on a date but my parents would always say you can call whoever you want to your boyfriend but you're not going nowhere with him and you're not talking to him so you know you can call people stuff but but yes but they did allow me to date and my father he was actually pretty good I mean he wasn't too extreme um he had his moments but um I won't go into details about songs he's played in the house if somebody came in um, but no, he was pretty cool. <laughs> he was pretty good compared to some fathers that I know. Okay, so. okay, okay. So, so you, so now you're real curious about what I did, right? You want to know, but you're gonna have to just pray on that one. I ain't telling. Uh, yes, right here. Christina, how have your father-daughter relationship impact your dating choices? I think that it's a living example of what I deserve in life. I think that it's it's good to. I think that I have something to match up to. Granted, everybody's not going to match up to my father in that essence because he's my father. But I'm able to compare and say, these are the qualities that I desire and these are the qualities that I deserve. And so I know what to look for. when I, I know the signs. I know different things that to peep out when I am you know, dating individuals or getting to know people. I know what to look for. So that has helped me tremendously. Um, with relationships. I'm going to jump in because I'm just curious. So what, what, what are the like, things that you... No, I'm, not, I'm, not, no, I'm serious. I just want to know. Y'all stay out of this. What, what would be... Give me like a couple of things you think would be important to you besides besides being a Christian and godly and all that stuff. But besides that... I think the fact that you genuinely care. You care about every aspect of my life and you'll sit down and, and talk to me. I think it's the way that you communicate with me. 
You respect me as a woman and you respect me as an individual. So you let me have my own opinion, but at the same time, you, you give me wisdom as well. And so I think those are That was fun. It's online. You can go watch the whole thing. It's online. I have a separated called Fathering, uh, Fathering Q&A. And so the whole thing, you can go online, click on demand, and you can watch the whole thing. But I, I, this is my confession. OK, you ready? So I didn't say the kind of things I did. But on the back page is the example of what I did. If you don't have sermon notes, you should probably download them because they're really cool. This is called Application to Date My Daughter. I found this years ago on the internet. And so what I did, I, this is an edited version. I edited it down a little bit for you. Um, but uh, I gave this to my daughter to pass out. So what she did, some of you are reading ahead. You can't help yourself. But I, I, uh, I folded it up, put it in an envelope, and said, give this. It's the guy who liked her. I said, give this to him for me. And she said, what does it say? I said, well, just give it to him. It's for me. She said, what does it say? So you know what a typical daughter does. She goes in the room, opens it up, right? Because she's not going to give it to him without looking at it. She reads it, and she tears it up into small pieces. And I tell her, I have many copies. <laughs> I want your name, your address, your religion. It says parents, father's name, marriage, number of years. Do you own, do you own or drive a van? If so, please discontinue filling out this form. Uh, <laughs> in 50 words or less, describe what no means to you. In 50 words or less, describe what late means to you. Where would you least like to be shot? Now, I didn't write this, OK? Anyway, which is the last bone you want broken? What do you want? OK, and so on and so on and so on. It is hilarious. It is hilarious. It is not what I wrote, but it, I'm confessing. What am I doing? Confessing. I did this. I gave this to her. And um, when the guy came by, I gave him an envelope. And she said, she, she looked at me, it, did you? And it, it was a blank page. It was a blank page. But it was, that's the kind of thing I did to Christina. And she survived, and I did too. But it was a lot of fun. So uh, I do not um, uh, think that was wonderful. But it was fun. Now, did I, did I confess? Good, all right. So I didn't have to, but I did. So now the rest of you, stop reading that. And don't give this to your daughters, OK? But uh, that's, that's it's exactly what I did. And other things. I did do other things. But that's one we'll talk about today. Today, let's get going. Repeat the topic with me, please. Say three right road tips. Come on. This is the conclusion of our series, and in the next uh, 30 minutes or so, I'm going to talk to you about, about the importance of making certain decisions, three decisions in particular, that I think will keep your life on the right road. And that's what this is all about. I want you to rethink the road you're on. And my argument is that if you, if you pay attention to certain things, these things in particular, it will help you. And I want to just give you the three tips, and then I'll come back and talk about them. You have to manage three areas of your life to keep yourself on the right road. Repeat them with me, please. Say, manage your business. Manage your, business. Manage your bedroom blindness. Manage your bedroom blindness. I'll come back to that. Manage your priorities. Manage your priorities. I believe that there are many sincere Christians who live a life of hustle. And they hustle more than they should. I, I believe in working hard. I mean, I just came back from two busy weeks, busy weeks, really busy. You know, prison tour, um, four or five engagements, just busy two weeks. Um, probably spoke 12 times. I mean, just a lot of speaking. 
But that's part of the process. So there are moments when you hustle. I get that. But I think sometimes, because we don't manage our business well, life is one big hustle. And so you're praying for God to bless you. And the Lord, if he could, if you, if you could hear him, it would be, it, you, you're having these problems because you're not managing it well. Your choices are not the best choices. It, it's, it's really easy if you're not careful to, to misunderstand your role in the business. And there are three thoughts, if you jump down to the, the line below, I have three thoughts about business that I want you to think about, three scriptural thoughts. And I put these thoughts in, in here because I want you to see them. There's, there's no way in the world that you will ever, ever, ever avoid some business challenges. You're going to have trouble with raising children, trouble with you know, keeping up with your house, car, managing staff if you have a business. There's, there's a list of things, working for people. That, that's part of life. But my attitude towards it is what's important. Proverbs 6 and 11 says, Poverty will come upon me like a robber and want like an armed man if I don't manage my business. And that's a sign that we're not managing it right, because we're always in this state of crisis. At some point, I need to get a handle on this so that my entire life is not consumed with this. And the best way to do that is under the three thoughts about business. I want you to notice with me. Number one, Proverbs 24, 27. Prepare your work. Say that with me, please. Come on. There's something about preparing. There's something about sitting down and, and getting a handle on where we are and say, let's fix this. Let's come up with a plan. Prepare. Prepare your work. As a pastor of the church, there is, there is two sides to my job. This side, and then there's that big administrative side behind the scenes. There's that side that says, okay, you've got, you know, a thousand people coming in the building to see you every week, and you've got another seven, eight hundred watching you, and you've got another four thousand that are going to go on demand, and then you've got some big events where there's two thousand. So we come in small. It depends on what we're doing. And so if, if you're planning for thousands of people on a weekly basis, there's a big back administration piece. And, and also, there's a big budget piece. The money has to be analyzed every week, and it has to be analyzed in a very thorough and professional way in order for you to keep things moving. There's a business side to this. There are staff meetings. There's, there's strategic plans. There, 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 there's upkeep. There's maintenance. There, there's not, and I think sometimes we're just not good at managing the business. And so life is one big chaotic mess all the time. You, you can just simply look at the way you manage your, your house. Just, just go down in your house. It, is it just chaotic all the time? Is it just everything's everywhere, everything's everywhere, everywhere, everything? That's a sign that this is not being managed well. And, and you might say, well, I can't help it. Yes, you can. Take a step back and manage your business. Come on, say it with me, please. Come on. Manage your business. Come on, say it again. Come on. Manage your business. The only reason all those clothes are on the bed, laying out all everywhere, because you didn't fold them up when you took them off. Because you didn't put the dirty clothes in the dirty clothes rack, and because you don't have a day you wash, and you don't. Okay, well, now I'm passing. Now you're cheating. No, I'm not cheating. I've, I've lived your life. I live your life. I get it. I understand. I have a lot I could probably impress you with. But I understand that every day I have to talk to myself and to Temple, manage your business. Manage your business. You just got to back them out of town, take your dirty clothes, go put them in the washer now, please. Put them in today. Thank you. Not tomorrow. Put them in now. Thank you. Okay? We'll dry them later. Fold them later. Okay? 
Take these clothes to the cleaners. Put them in a nice cleaning bag. Manage your business. That's managing my business. Managing my business is making sure that we have people in place here that, that know what their job is and, and then let them do their job and hold them accountable for it. Manage your business. I do my part, you do your part. We all get it done. Sound guys are doing their part. Video guys are doing their part. I'm doing my part. Say amen if you hear me. So there's a, there's a part. Somebody checks the bathrooms to make sure that you don't go in there and go, I help me God. So there's a maintenance person. You follow what I'm saying? So there's the volunteers. There's 500 volunteers in this church. So all the people have to manage their part. Saturday service people managed their part yesterday. You're here for Sunday at 9 o'clock. And then there's an 11 o'clock crew. Everybody does their part. Parking lot guys do their part. Everybody does their part. Security does their part. Everybody has a part. So you have to understand the power of you taking your life and breaking it down into pieces and managing your part. If you, don't, if you don't have that concept down, you will always live in crisis. And here's what I believe is important. You must prepare to do that. And then in Proverbs 22, 29, he says, do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. If you prepare, you end up finding yourself more skilled and you'll end up being promoted. That's the point. Business you don't get promoted because you're saved and sanctified and love God. You get promoted because you're skilled. That's why you go on your job and you don't understand why they didn't promote you. Well, because you're just saved. They don't, they, and the application didn't say, we will promote you if you're saved. They didn't ask you to go there to win people to Jesus. That's not why they hired you. You may think that's your new job description, but that's not why I hired you. Even and it shocks people when they come to work for me at the church. They think, well, they want to praise the Lord all day. I'm sorry. No, thou shalt work. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because I have to prepare for you coming here. And I have to make sure that when you come, things are in place. And so it's important uh, and that your kids are safe. And you understand what I'm saying? Things are in, in the right place and their people are trained. That's important. And I think sometimes we don't do that. And so we don't value skill. So manage your business. Prepare, and then secondly, make sure that you understand the power of skill. And then Ecclesiastes 9 and 10 says this, work hard. Whatever you find your hands to do, do it with your might. King James says, do it with all your might. Work hard. If you're going to manage your business, you cannot be, lovingly said here, a lazy person. Amen. Proverbs chapter 6 talks about that, and you can read that on your own. It talks about the ant and talks about the importance of not being lazy. Because if you're lazy, poverty will come upon you. A lot of the times that Christians are facing the challenge they face is because basically they, they've developed a somebody else should manage my business mindset. So I meet a rich person, tell them about my problems, and then they fix it. And if you're not careful, if you're a woman, your goal will be I want to meet a guy, and somehow this guy, or if you're a guy married, I want to meet a woman who can help me. I, there are a lot of men who are relying on women in ways that are unhealthy. You don't, you, do you understand this is your business? Amen. This is your life, this is your life, this is your life. You, let me tell you, get that down. You know, um, Overcome by Faith has some really exciting things in front of it. And I, I really feel a conversation I had this week really spoke to me in such a profound way. And I, this, is, this sermon can't be about that conversation, but let me give you the essence of what I got out of it. Manage your business at the level that you are living. If you are not a Mercedes-Benz person, drive it forward. Amen. Clean it up, shine it up, 
and drive a Ford and be happy. Amen. Stop, you know, manage your life at the level you are and be happy with it. And, and, and there's something about, you know, this building is not impressive, but it's really clean and it's nice and, it, it, and you dry and you are not outside. Say amen. amen. Come on, come on. That's a sad hand clap. Come on, people. Come on. Praise God. Come on, baby. You know, I'm going to be something nicer, but we ain't going to be broke. Amen. I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. I'm not, I almost, almost did that. <laughs> almost. But you grow, you learn, you get smarter. And you have to be humble to say, you know, ah, grand plan, but this is a better plan. Some of you were on a road, and it was the wrong road. And you're sincere. You watch me. I'm honest about it. Sincere. Meant well. But sometimes you're at a level of development that needs to be checked. And sometimes you got to go all the way down the road or way down the road, and then you go, oh, back up, back up, back up, back up, back up, wrong road, wrong road. The problem is a lot of us are too proud to say, I'm not managing my business right. We're too proud to let it be known. This, I obviously didn't understand what I thought I understood. Now I understand more. So instead of, instead of groveling over what you didn't do, do, it better, do a better job today. If you lost a job, had good income, so what? Get a new one. Make better income. You now, you now have the wisdom of those mistakes. Say amen if you got it. Amen. Everybody say manage your business. Manage your business. That's the first tip. Second tip is manage your bedroom blindness. Say that with me, please. Come on. Manage, manage your bedroom blindness. Manage your what? Bedroom blindness. All right, bedroom blindness. Now let me talk about that for a second. Bedroom blindness is uh, a term that I coined to prepare for a series I'm going to do in September. The uh, series is on um, managing your sex life, but I'm coding it as bedroom blindness. The reason I'm calling, calling it that is because I need to have a term I can use over and over and over again and not have you jerk every time I say it. <laughs> so that's my code word. It is my argument that if you don't manage this intimate part of your life, you're going to have a lifetime of struggle and challenges that hurt you and people you love. And I don't think a lot of us are honest about it. And I made a note here that I thought was powerful. You must be careful not to love somebody so much that you don't love yourself. Say it with me, please. I must be careful not to love somebody so much that I don't love myself. Say it again. I must be careful not to love somebody so much that I don't what? Love myself. And sometimes what has happened in this culture is we've really fallen out of love with us. It is my argument that an out-of-control sex life, an out-of-control life in this area is not loving you. It hurts you in the long run. Just play the tape back and tell me I'm wrong. Play the tape back and ask yourself, was all of that helpful to me? How did it help me arrive at any goal I set? And so I'm going to spend the whole month of September talking about bedroom blindness. So if you don't want to come to church, you write that on your calendar and say, I'm not coming to church for the whole month of September because he's telling me in advance. And you can bring your kids. I'm going to fix it so it's all safe. You know, you can bring your safe because they hear more than I'm going to say. Trust me. Some of them need to come. The very one who go, hey, mama, they need to come right here because they're school. they hot mama at school. Here they cool, but when they get to school, they're not cool. So I want you to pause for a moment. And I want you to join me as I challenge you to think about this. How has this affected you? How has this affected your family? You know, and, do you, and do you really think that you can hide it? 
People who interact with you can tell. Your kids can tell. They watch how you look at people in the, in the mall. Hey, girl, how you doing? <laughs> Daddy got bedroom blindness. <laughs> His eyes everywhere. They can tell. And, and, and the little girl sees it. I see how Daddy looks at girls like that. So let me be a girl like that so I can be like a girl my daddy likes. I want you to pause for a minute and think about how this blindness has lied to you. Uh, and one of the first sermons I'm going to talk about is leadership. I'm going to talk about why leaders, why leaders fall into bedroom blindness. First sermon. Some of you say, well, I'll come for, I'll come for that one. Because I'm interested in why so many leaders could fall. Why is it that a guy can get promoted to a position like mine and then end up, end up sleeping with people? And you just wonder, what, what's wrong with him? Well, I, well we, we should understand that. Our culture supports it. Our culture creates an incredible world full of bedroom-blinded people. And the, the long-term consequences are horrible. You know, all you have to do is dig in the family tree a little bit. And then, you know, they say, all right, stay out of grown people's business. It's bedroom blindness is what they're trying to hide. A lot of stuff they don't want you to know. But when you start counting months up and you start figuring stuff up, and you say, wait a minute, how old are you? <laughs> and you start calculating and, and documenting. Before you know it, there is this, this incredible list of not-so-pleasant facts that showed you that people you thought were OK really were blind and, and were out of control. There, there's something about this culture that has filled our hearts with it. And I, I have to be candid. In order for me to stay focused, I have to be very, very honest. And sometimes you should just say, right now, I'm blind. For whatever reason, maybe you're at a place emotionally, you're, you met a person and you're, just, you're, you're at a place you just don't need to be. Uh, sometimes it's a, it's a come out on the job that just creates in you for reasons you can't explain, the way their hair looks, the way you did whatever. There's a chemistry dynamic that's lying to you and blinding you. It's blinding you. It's not true. If it was true, then okay, but it's not true. It's just not true. And for some girls, nine months later, when they find out that 80 plus percent of the guys that they were with leave, 80 plus percent leave. There's an 80 percent chance. It's amazing. Pause for a second and ask yourself, was I tell, was I, did I, could I see? No, I couldn't see. And what's interesting is in this study, I'm going to show you why. A lot of it is biological. Designed to blind you. Because it's not supposed to be outside of marriage. And marriage doesn't matter. But, it, but when you're single, it matters a lot. And it's affecting the culture. It's affecting the economy. Women in particular. Let me say it again. Women in particular. One more time. Who? Women, Women in particular. You are the greatest victims of bedroom blindness. You are the ones who suffer. You're the ones who are stuck with the consequences, both physically and mentally. It's amazing. Guys have a whole different dynamic. They suffer, but they suffer differently. You become the poorest of the poor, and you become the ones. And I, I see this all the time. I see in, in a lot of women, I see this burden. This burden to be beautiful. This burden to be sexual. This burden to be. This burden to be. Relationship, relationship. Is he the one? Is she the one? Is he the one? Yeah. You guys are struggling. Men and women. And I, 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 don't think, I don't think that's what life was meant to be. I think that's the wrong road. I think you need to rethink the road if, every, if all of your friends talk about what guy we saw. That's our life. 
My whole life is to dress up and appeal to you. And, and, and then you're with somebody who doesn't even like you. <laughs> and you don't much like them. But nobody wants to leave anybody because we're both bedroom blinded and we just can't do without each other for some amazing reason. And then you move in together and they say that if you move in together and you date you five months, five years, 60 months is about the length of those relationships on average, on average. And so God's way is better. God's call, but we're getting further away from his way. And I think a lot of it's fed by bedroom blindness. And that's what I'll teach you on in September. Say amen if you got a good sample. Third, third thing and the last thing for today. Say manage your priorities. You got to manage your business, you got to manage your bedroom blindness, and you got to manage your priorities. Everything is not first. Say that with me, please. Come on. Everything is not first. Everything cannot be important in your life, and everything in your life, every person, every choice, you, you cannot make a priority. I have, I made a decision this week, it was really powerful. A friend of mine, uh, we were supposed to meet, and he's a great guy, and, um, I, um, I got in, he's in Atlanta, so I was in Atlanta working this week, and so I, I, I my wife, uh, you know, we have this grandbaby in Orlando, Florida, right? And um, she's out of control, just to just, just put it out there, you know, she's, she's out of control, right? Pray for her. So, so we're, we're there, and we're supposed to leave and got to go to Atlanta, and so it's, you know, 3 o'clock, you know, it's 4 o'clock, she's still holding the baby, it's, Seven o'clock, it's time to go. Let the baby go. Okay, I, ho I held the baby too. Okay, okay, but no, we're not talking about me right now. We're talking about her. So, so, so we leave at seven. So now it's six and a half hours to drive from Orlando to, um, uh, to Atlanta. And so, you know, I'm thinking, oh man, this is, wow, straight six and a half, okay. So we're going to drive maybe four hours to Warner Robins and stop. So we did that. But here's the point I, by the time I get to Atlanta, at the end of this, my appointment's at 1 o'clock the next day. I'm tired. I mean, I'm burning. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. So I, I, I and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to man up the strength because, you know, we got our suits on. I'm all suited up. Okay, going to this appointment. 1 o'clock, going to be there. You know, man up, man up, man up. You know, you got to show. And then, I, then I just, you know, I got another appointment after this. So I got two. One at 1 o'clock, one at like 5 o'clock. But I'm a man up. Now, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be a zombie in all these meetings. You can re-rack this because, so I pick up the phone and say, look, this is a priority moment. We're friends. I can lie to you, but I ain't wiped. Can we just do this another way? So we talked on the phone. You don't have to fight the, the Atlantic traffic, you know, an hour there, an hour, but you know what I mean? It's going to be crazy. Let's just sort, and so we sorted out on the phone. It all went well. It was great. He laughed. He said, Temple, I get it. No problem. I appreciate you. And so we, we sorted it all out and did everything. But here's, here's what's interesting. That's a moment when I had to manage my priority. What's first? Me. Me. My wife is sitting there looking at me, and she's going, you are tired, you know. And she's not going to try to force me in this thing. She's hoping and praying I make the right choice. And so in that moment, I took charge of my life. And I, I, I hey, look, man. And, and he said, okay. And it worked out. It was fine. But I could have mended up and wrecked someplace because I are gone to the meeting like this, you know, wake up and force yourself to say, that's what I told myself, Temple, wake up, Temple, force yourself to manage your priorities. You're too tired. 
do this another way. Your schedule is unrealistic. It's not sustainable. This overtime pace is not sustainable. Pay the debt down at a slower rate, rewrite. I don't know what you need to do, but come up with another strategy. This doesn't work. I don't see my wife. She didn't see me. What is this? We're passing in the night. This is not sustainable. Sell the house, sell the car, get a bike. I don't know what you need to do, but this is not sustainable. So would you sell you? Yes, I would. You think I wouldn't? You think, you think I, I, understand, I understand the most important thing in my life is managing my priorities. And if I manage my priority, I may not have to sell my house. If I manage my priority, I can head this off before it gets to that place. But I have to stop now. Don't wait until you're in the doctor's office with a heart attack, trying to then, well, I need to manage my, my go ahead and shock me, bam, okay, now. When I finish getting shocked, I'm going to manage my priorities. Start now. There's something about that. If I'm preaching good, come on, say amen. Come on, come on, say amen. There are three thoughts about priorities I close with, and I want you to look down at the bottom of your notes. I'm going to show you three scriptural, three scriptures and three thoughts. Number one, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The first thing, the first priority in my life is God's kingdom. Now, here's what that means. That doesn't mean church. The word kingdom means rulership. I need to seek God's rule in my life. I need to seek God's voice in my life. Seek God's righteousness. That's what I need to focus on. What is right? What does God want me to do? How, how involved is God in your life? Does he really have a voice in your life, in your love life, in the choices you make, and how you spend your money? And, I mean, is he a part of it or not? I mean, you can come here, you can watch this and all that, but if he's not really a part of your life, he's not a part of your decision-making, seek first his rulership, his voice in your life, and his righteousness, what he defines as right. And then he says, love this, all these things should be added unto you. God gives you everything. I've not missed out on anything. Second thing you want to do, and this is important, do not be conformed to the world, Romans 12 and 2. Don't be shaped by the world around me, but be transformed. I've got to be careful that I'm not letting them shape my thinking. All these latest issues are so amazing when all these current events come up, and then they come and tell me, here's what you should be talking about. Really? You should tell me what I should be talking about? So you, you're going to, that's why, this is just me. That's why I, I personally, not you, do what you want, and this is me. I don't cut the news on first thing in the morning. I don't watch, I don't, here's why. Here's, tell me what to think about. Worry about this. Oh, boy, be scared. How about I decide? How about I get up in the morning and I decide what I think about? Not, not what somebody in a room sitting down at a typewriter or sitting down at a typewriter. You know I'm old, right? <laughs> at a computer, right? Type, writing out what I should think about. My top five things to worry about. And I sit there for 30 minutes of my day and say, tell me what I think about. A person wrote, they're reading a script. How to go pee involved in TV. It's on a piece of paper. It's, it's. Today, we want you to notice there are three things that are really going. That's what they're doing. It's a news report. And I'm, not, I'm not against it. I'm just simply saying, I want to be informed. I don't want to be the dumbest guy in the room. I get that. But I, but I cannot allow my priorities to be shaped by the world. 
I can't allow my behavior to be shaped by the world. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I need to have my own thoughts. Amen. Third thing, and I'm done. Luke 12, 34. A statement is made in this that will help you clearly understand the importance of priority. And, and, and priority, how priority affects you. Read this slow with me. Where your treasure is, pause, pause, just think about that. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your what? Treasure, treasure is. Ready? Ready? Watch me for a second. Woman of God, how you doing? Why am I bothering you, right? Huh? How long have you been around this church? How long? Since 95. 95. 95. You know me a long time. Yes. Trust me. You do? Shake on that? You trust me? Good. Can I borrow your purse? You sure can. Thank you, ma'am. I'm going to have your purse. Thank you very much. Very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't think about it. That's a good one. Not a problem. Not a problem. Not a problem. Praise the Lord. All right. Let's go ahead. Get back to the sermon here. Here we go. Uh, where was I at? She said, where is my purse at? That's what she said. Where, where is my purse? What is this? How did I get to be a part of your sermon? Now, now when I finish this, she, she plans after church to come up here and get her treasure back. Where your treasure is, there, right here. That's where your heart is. It's a lot of precious, precious treasure in here. So I need to give it back. I heard everybody say, right, right, right. <laughs> Read it slow. Where your what? Treasure is. There will your heart be also. Where, where's your treasure? What do you value? What's your priority? That's where you're going to be. I can tell that by what you think about. And it's so important for you to pause for a minute and think about where your treasure is. Where's the treasure for this church? Is it only in facilities? Or is it in people? Is it in helping people in this community? What, 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 what do we treasure? See, I believe that God will bless us based upon our treasure. That's what's going to keep us on the right road, that we are clear about what our priorities are. As a family, what is my treasure? My treasure will be arriving back in town at 3.30 today, and I will be here to collect her. I've already laid out a plan for my treasure in me for the rest of the day. I am coming out of this suit, putting on some bummy clothes, and we're going to go treasure hunting together. Amen. Now, see, that's because she's my treasure. My wife is my treasure. There's something about being clear about what's important to you. And I'm telling you, there's something that happens when you, when you understand that you tend to stay on the right road. Now, next week, we turn to another topic. And I, and I love this one because it's called Rethink How We Fight. Every now and then in your life, when you sort out the road you should be on and you're clear, you've rethought everything, you now know exactly what's important, you've laid out your priorities, here's what you're going to have to do to keep them, fight. You're going to have to learn how to fight to stay on the right road. Once you figure it out, trust me, things will come along and try to pull you off. And so what I want to do is show you how to fight. And I want to show you some of the things that I think will transform the way you view fighting. 
There's a tremendous text that I'll share, but all that's going to be next week. And so pray with me now, and let's believe that God's going to help you stay on the right road. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these, this time together. I thank you for what we've said to your people. I pray it's been helpful and uplifting. I pray that they would take these three, three tips and rethink how they manage their business. Revisit how they manage their bedroom blindness. I pray in Jesus' name that the hand of God would be strong upon your people. The healing power of the living God would bring wholeness and blessing to them. I declare by faith, Lord God, that you will bless them. You will heal them. You will give them what they need today. I pray for those who felt like, Pastor, I've been on the wrong road. And they felt guilt and they felt as if their lives could never be redeemed. But Lord, let them know they can be redeemed. They can rise above all the things that have happened to them. They can be victorious. No wrong road decision defines forever where they'll be. Your hand, your hand is strong enough to reach down and guide them to the right road. And so, Lord, I speak blessing. I speak blessing, and I care for your people today. And may this word bring life and healing to them. May somebody leave out of here and say, I'm going home and manage my business. I'm going to deal with this bedroom blindness in my life and bring myself in line with God's word. I'm going to manage my priorities. I'm going to see God's kingdom first not allow the world to shape me. And I'm going to look at my treasures more, more, more carefully. And Father, I declare by faith, we're better today. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, after hearing the message, I'm clear. What I need is, I need to, I need, I need, I need to review my walk with God. My walk with God has not been what it needs to be. And I want you to pray for me so I can get my life going in the right direction. If you would, please, simply hit, bow your heads, every head bowed, and raise your hand if that's, that's you. You said, pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me. I just want you to pray for me. I'm not going to call you up front. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me. I see you back there as well. Anyone else? Pray for me. I see you. Thank you. I see you. I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Pray for me. All right. Thank you. Let's all lift our hands together. Father, I lift up all of these who prayed. Many lifted their hands, some lifted their hearts, both here and at home. I pray for blessing, I pray for strength, that this would be the beginning of a new walk with you, that as they open their hearts, the hand of God would give them strength and power today to rise above their issues. I speak blessing upon them, and I declare by faith your hand will be strong, and that it will rise up to be victorious. We give you all the praise and all the glory for your forgiveness and for Christ who died to make it possible for them to be free. May they rise today to start a brand new walk with you in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen.